Rosh Chodesh, Aleph Iyar, Tafshin Ayin Tet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. שקרא שמע ישראל, הרוח חרש את שמו נשא, רואי השם ישמור עליך, על תום דרכיך, על עוזך, 
Yoram Gaon with the uh, renewed version of uh, Eretz Tzvi, which added a paragraph in memory of Roe Klein. Welcome, welcome one and all. Welcome into this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. And uh, I am very glad to be back with you after a short hiatus. Uh, very successful um, group trip to Israel over Pesach. It was really great. And um, we are in between, we're at that time of year, post-Geula of Pesach, Holocaust Memorial Day, Memorial Day for Israeli soldiers, and then Yom HaTzma'ot, it is, it is a packed time of year. And all of it taking place, interestingly, during the Omer period of time, which we, in our minds, always associate with uh, the negative and the sad. So there's a mixture of both. Anyway, welcome in. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. So go for it. Write it down. Make a note. Let yourself uh, let yourself in on the information of what time we're on, or on demand, on demand. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. We are available on demand whenever you want to listen, whenever they want to listen. They go to the Nachum Siegel Network app. They go to NachumSiegel dot com on the internet, and go to the archives, and they can download the show uh, when they're in the Wi-Fi and listen whenever they want through their device. It's all so simple. What a world we live in. I wasn't sure whether we should start off with a good, inspiring story, or or a story that's very upsetting. So I'll, I I I figured we'll start with the upsetting story and we'll make our way towards the inspiring stories. Gidon Levy is a, a well-known writer for the Haaretz newspaper. He is so left-wing that I don't think you can categorize him as left-wing anymore. He's in some other category that is beyond left of left-wing. To the extent that some of the articles that he has written over the past few years really um, are in competition with the New York Times. What can I say? competition for the New York Times for anti-Israel slash possibly anti bordering on anti-Semitic. We was telling Nachum just before on the air that we need to establish this prize for the worst newspaper coverage of Israel slash anti-Semitic publications. 
The title of his column, and this comes right after Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day, is the Gaza Ghetto. You know right away, right? You know right away where he's going with this. The Gaza Ghetto. The Warsaw Ghetto. The Gaza Ghetto. We're the same. We're like the Nazis. This is a, a Jewish writer writing in a Jewish newspaper. In Haaretz, an influential Jewish newspaper, which publishes also in English, and therefore gets to all the diplomats who are in Israel and people around the world who then take this stuff and use it against Israel and the BDS movement and others and hey, it's a free country just freedom of press, you can do whatever you want he talks about Gidon Levy and Haaretz and I'm quoting now pundits explain that it's all because of Hamas's greed Ramadan is beginning and they're under crazy pressure for cash, people say. Or, quote, he's quoting others, it's all because of the weak security problem that got the uh, terror groups used to the fact that Israel will only strike back hitting empty buildings and, and abandoned areas. No one's going to get killed. And so, he's now mimicking those who speak about uh, against uh, Hamas and so they shoot those villains Hamas wants money Israel's too soft on them they're terror we're peace he says sarcastically they were born to kill and now he says his peace until now he was as if quoting what the uh, what the people in the street are saying now, Gideon Levy says, and I quote, everything is completely disconnected from context and reality, intentionally and willfully. Half a week after Holocaust Remembrance Day, the knowledge that two million people have been locked up more than 12 years behind barbed wire in a giant cage doesn't remind Israel of anything and doesn't arouse anything. Half a week before Independence Day, the struggle for freedom and independence of another people is perceived as murderous terror for no reason. Gaza is a ghetto. And what's happening in the South is a ghetto uprising. There's no other way to describe it. You can make claims against Hamas, but you can't make any claims against Gaza. It's fighting for its freedom, and no struggle is more just than its struggle. And Hamas is its leaders. You know, it's hard for me to read it. I'm sure it's hard for you to hear it. But yes... This is a Jew writing in Haaretz, in an Israeli newspaper. Here's the last paragraph. I skipped, obviously, parts of it. A country that is established on the memory of the ghettos, meaning Israel, which only a few days ago sanctified that memory, hides its face from the much larger ghetto 
that it built with its own hands and doesn't want to see one hour away from the center of that country. Again, he refers now to Israel, a country that was established in a bloody struggle will not recognize the justness of the struggle of another people and wonders whether that people even exists. A society that considers itself exemplary, which was established on the world's indifference to its suffering, shows monstrous heartlessness to the suffering it is causing. All I can say is this is written by somebody who has some sort of a, I would think, some sort of a derangement syndrome, some sort of a pathology in which he can compare a situation where the people in Gaza who were given total freedom from Israel when Israel withdrew 12 years ago were given means to make a livelihood by Jews that bought the hot houses and all the agricultural uh, means of production that were there and gave it to the Arabs who destroyed it the next day a people who spend all the money that is given to them by the world, by Europe, by other Arab countries, not to enhance the lives of their people, not to feed the lives, to feed their people, but to build terror tunnels, many, many dozens of terror tunnels in order to infiltrate into Israel and create terror and havoc and kill people who have an an, an industry to make arms, to compare those people and say that they are in a ghetto that we made, the Israelis made, and say that they're comparable to the Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto who did nothing, nothing to the German people, who were targeted only because they were Jews, only because of the anti-Semitism and racism of the Nazis, who were tortured and starved. Israel brings truckloads of food into Gaza every day. I mean, I, I almost feel silly trying to explain the difference between what's going on in Gaza and, and, and the Warsaw Ghetto. You, you could write a book. But this person, this Jew, Gidon Levy, who's well known for being totally crazy, out of the box, and more so than my being angry at him, I'm angry at his newspaper. The newspaper that allows this kind of thing to be written, and then this this article goes out, and, and students and campuses all over the United States and Europe read it. It's available in English. Made available by Haaretz. And support BDS and SJP. And we have Apartheid Week and it's all... They, they don't have to go to any foreign source. All they got to do is read Gideon Levy and Haaretz. And they say, here, look, your own people, your own Israeli people, write that you are behaving like Nazis. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that pathology comes from. As Rabbi Beryl Wine once said, 
You don't get kicked around for 2,000 years from one country to another and killed and murdered and brutalized and so forth and not pick up some psychological baggage. Maybe we're still working that off. I don't know. But it's aggravating. And what's what's important is that, A, that we know that this is out there, that we understand ourselves what, what the difference is for sure, but also that we don't support Haaretz. Don't go to their feed on Facebook. I don't go to their feed on Facebook. And I'm very interested in news and I want to bring you the news. I hear about this through a third party who brought it onto their feed on Facebook. Don't go to their feed. Don't subscribe for sure. Yes, it's a high-level newspaper. Everybody will tell you that. So is the New York Times. So what? You want to fund the enemy from within? The enemy that's that's from within us, you wanna you wanna help them? Don't go to their website and don't just ignore them. Doesn't mean they'll go away, but it's the more people that ignore them, hopefully the less influence they will have. Okay, we go to Yonatan Razel. Lotsimukim Veloshkeidim. This is uh, from uh, a Yom HaShoah album that came out called Shem Olam. We've played it before, but it's a beautiful lullaby. Yonatan Razel wrote the word, the uh, music, excuse me, to words that were written by a, a person in the camps. And uh, as a lullaby to his daughter, it was written in Yiddish, it was translated into Hebrew, and Razel wrote a beautiful melody to that and he sings it as well which is a takeoff on a very famous Yiddish song uh, about Simukim and Shkedim Rojin Kezmit Mandlin I think is the way it's pronounced and this is obviously the father explaining to the child that there are no raisins and there are no almonds my name is Mayor Weingarten you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network סימוקים שקדים פרי מגד נסע אבא לקנות בן חמד לו 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 ולי הוא עזבנו ואיסוף אל קצבי תבן סוף לו 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 בני
Eva, or in Hebrew, Eva, Eva Hyman was 13 years old in the spring of 1944 when the Nazis conquered Hungary. She kept a diary. about her experience and ultimately she was one of over 400,000 Hungarian Jews who were deported to Nazi concentration camps between May and July of 1944 and and she was she perished in one of those concentration camps An Israeli high-tech guru decided to use Eva's story, a real story, it's not fictional, to use her story to create a film, but it's not a real, it's not a regular film that you would watch in in a normal form rather it is a film that was made for the social media um, Instagram Instagram works on people posting pictures or very short videos and so they created a movie which was basically very short 15 second or so videos on Instagram no it's more than 15 seconds it's probably more like 30 seconds 
Instagram is more popular than Facebook. It is one of the social media outlets that youth are addicted to, as we know. And so, in Israel, about a week or so before Yom HaShoah, they started talking about this Instagram account called at eva.stories that people could follow. What you do is you follow someone's account and then you see everything that they post. And on Yom HaShoah, beginning at a certain hour, they posted each little clip of the of this story and then a half hour later, the next clip, and a half hour later, the next clip, in order to create, like, basically, as if a story that you're watching in real time. Now, they described that, I think the best way to describe it was, if there was Instagram during the Holocaust, this is the way this 13-year-old would have documented her experience in the Holocaust her life before the Germans entered Hungary, what that was like, the Germans entering Hungary, the deportations, and so forth. I thought it was a great idea. You're going to get youth to see the Holocaust in a way that speaks to them. All the ceremonies that we have, that the adults create in Yad Vashem and all these places don't think the adults that create them don't think like a 13 year old or or an 18 year old but but in Israel it became controversial why because there were those who felt that making putting the holocaust into an instagram account it's it's like you're cheapening the holocaust you're trivial tr- trivializing the memory of a victim of the holocaust journalist Yuval Mendelssohn argued that the project had been in bad taste Chaim Levinson, another reporter, left-wing reporter, said in a tweet that the characters were boring and superficial. And many other people really felt that um, this is not a good fit for a Holocaust story. It just is not appropriate. What they didn't think of is the fact that the youth of today are not getting the message. Maybe the youth in Israel are, but the youth around the world are not. They don't know about the Holocaust. They don't know how many Jews were killed, how Jews were targeted. And by doing it through an Instagram account, you have a chance... You have a chance of hitting 
a demographic that you wouldn't get to otherwise, and that all the ceremonies don't reach. They're not interested. They're not watching. They're on their phone. Well, the proof of the the proof of the pudding, right? How many people do you think? And we we know exactly because uh, an Instagram account shows you exactly how many followers follow. How many people followed Eva Hyman's story on this Instagram account and watched the movie that was created in these short Instagram snippets? One point three million, a hundred and thirty million people. And 50% of them were between the ages of 13 and 30. And just 3 million of the first 100 million viewers were from Israel. Meaning 97 million people not from Israel, from around the world, were being exposed to the horrors of the Holocaust in a way that speaks to them. And I think that if anybody thought otherwise, the result really says it all. And I got to tell you, I didn't have an Instagram account. I have a Facebook account, a personal one. We have a Facebook account as a show. The Israel, uh, Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. I never had an Instagram account, but the day before Yom Shah, I wanted to see how this plays out, and I signed up, and I got myself an Instagram account, and it is, it is really fascinating what they did. It cost a ton of money, and this was done without government aid, without any funds or foundations. One individual who, who should get a, a, a big yishkayach. Mati Kochavi, who put up with all the scorn and all the anger of those people who were against it, but came out vindicated. 130 million views, of which at least, what did we say, 97 million came from outside of Israel, and 50% of which were people between the ages of 13 and 30 exactly the demographic that you want to hit so if you have an Instagram account you probably know about this already at eva eva dot stories s-t-o-r-i-e-s but if you don't have an Instagram account and don't plan on getting one I will post a link to a YouTube video which includes most of the posts. It leaves out some. I don't know why. Um, but it includes most of the posts in order. You don't have to you know, go through the Instagram platform and you can just watch it. It's not as good watching it that way. I, I will tell you, it's not as good. But if you just want to get an idea of what it's about, watch it. And and And... Make your way through the first, like, I guess, um, maybe uh, five or six posts. 
till the point where the Germans come in because the idea there is to um, to speak to young people and try to connect to them about what her life was like as a teenager, as a 13-year-old. But um, So it might be a little look a little silly, but um, it's setting the stage for what happens afterwards. So don't don't give up. I will post the link to that Facebook uh, to that YouTube video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. Facebook.com slash the Israel show. I'll post it later on today. Um, if you don't have Facebook or whatever and you want to try and get the link, if you send me an email, I will try and get it to you. Mayor, M-E-I-R, at NachumSiegel.com. Mayor, M-E-I-R, at NachumSiegel.com. Aaron Razel and Hanan Yuvel. A Holocaust song, a Holocaust memorial song, words written by Chaim Nachman Bialik, Who knows, if not, the streams of their tears brought us to where we are today. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
and Hanan Yuvel. As mentioned, the words are by Chaim Nachman Bialik, part of a song, very famous, I shouldn't say song, part of a poem, and the words are, Who knows, if not, the streams of their tears brought us over to this point. And in their prayers to God, they asked, And in their death, in their sacrifice of their lives, they gave over to us life. Hachayim. Ad Ha'olam. Israel uh, remembers its fallen soldiers and those who fell in terror attacks as well. Coming up this Wednesday in two days from now, followed the next day by Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israel Independence Day which is moved in order to create less Chilul Shabbat, less desecration of the Shabbat. Very often in Israel, when parents want to memorialize a a son who was killed in a war, one of the most horrible things, as you can only imagine, that can happen to a parent to lose a, lose a, 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 a child who's 18 or 20 in war, they ask Israeli artists to compose a song, either using words that the their child, their departed child wrote, in many cases, you know, as teenagers and so forth, they, they would write little poems and so forth, the parents found them and ask someone to put it to music, or, in some cases, just to take words that are appropriate to their son after they sit and talk to them and have somebody compose it and sing it. Yonatan Einhorn fell in the Second Lebanon War. He was an incredibly brave soldier. He fought in the cursed battle of Binchbel. He killed 14 Hezbollah terrorists there. Was a quiet, yet fierce, a quiet person, yet a fierce fighter that loved people, that loved Eretz Israel, that loved Yerushalayim where he is buried. And his parents approached Hamutal ben Zev, a poet who wrote the words, Elad Shodler, who wrote the music, 
and Sai Heman, Si Heman, Nahum Heman's uh, daughter, who sings the song Shir Yohonatan. I'll read the words for you and then we'll play the song in memory of Yohonatan and of all the soldiers and all those who died as we remember them in this upcoming Memorial Day. Yohonatan, Hashem Natan, Hashem Lakach, Yehi Shem Hashem Ivarach. So don't forget that Yeho Natan, his name, means God gave. Yeho Natan. So on on that, the writer is now playing Hashem Natan, Yeho Natan, Hashem Natan, Hashem Lakach, Yishem Hashem Vorach. Yonatan Bechor Habanim, the eldest Atanocheach, Betocha Kis Tamiditi, Apakal Hahilchati. Apakal is something that is part of your equipment. Stands for Pkudat Kevalakrav. Your the halachic pakal in your pocket always tsanua admeod very humble. Bechulyat hachod yet at the at the um, spear's edge. Amitz v'sameach at halev poteach. Courageous and happy, you open your heart. Yonatan Hashem Natan Hashem Lakach Yishem Hashem Vorach. So Ed Eretz Yisrael. You march throughout the land of Israel. At Kol Hashelot Shoel, you're curious. You ask. Yonatan Yaakov shall hevet olamcha hatov. So we mourn with all the families, and we try our best to keep in mind those that gave their lives, so that we can go and live and visit and walk in the land of Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yonatan Yaakov 
of Yehonatan Einhorn. In Israel, um, with uh, organizing a group of people that we do every Pesach, one of the lecturers that came to speak was Nitzana Darshan Leitner, the head of Shurat Hadin. Wow! So fascinating, so interesting. She spoke about, amongst other things, their recent victory over Airbnb. You may remember, and we spoke about it here, that Airbnb decided at one point, a few months ago, that they were going to boycott Jewish homes in Yehudan Shamron. They're going to take them off their listings. And they're so smart. She explained... Nisana Darshan Leitner did. She explained that this lecture, what they did, they had to sue Airbnb or threatened to sue Airbnb. But what do you sue them for? So it turns out in the United States, there's a fair housing law. You can't discriminate in housing. And so they took that as, just so smart, they took that and they went they have to now find American citizens who would have been affected by this by this ban by Airbnb and who would go to court and say they're violating the Fair Housing Act by discriminating against Jews in Yehudan Shomron because Arabs in Yehudan Shomron were not taken off the listing of Airbnb. They found 11 people who own homes in Yehudan Shomron and who rent them out for periods of time. And so they sued Airbnb. And Airbnb, going to have an IPO soon, 
didn't want trouble. And so they called Shurat Hadin, this organization, and said, let's meet, let's come to an accommodation, and Airbnb basically backed down and agreed to list all homes in Yehudan Shimron on their listing, whether Jewish or not. It's amazing. They do such great work. Shurat Hadin. And they've, done, they've been very successful in what they do. Part of what they're trying to do and part of what they're doing is drying up sources of money that is used to terror, for terrorism. Together with the Mossad, originally the thought came through Mayor Dagan, the, the iconic, famous head of the Mossad who passed away since, who called her in and said, let's do this. And they worked together. It's, by the way, outlined in a very interesting book called Harpoon. That was the name of the division in the Mossad that did this. Somebody at the lecture, she, she outlined other cases. And by the way, one of the things she, she spoke about was how the Obama administration literally worked against them and aided the Arab side that they were litigating against. Just in case that's shocking news to you. So one of the people in the audience raised his hand and said, what what can we do in America? And um, somebody from Shurat Hadin answered, don't want to get into that right now, but I saw something and I thought, this is what we can do. Yet again, Congresswoman Rashida Talib, Talib posts the most insane, I'm sorry, twit, tweet, uh, tw- uh, twits, tweets, tweets, I should say tweets. The New York Times headline read, Gaza militants fire 250 rockets and Israel responds with airstrikes. For a change, they got the headline right. That's exactly what happened. Except that they're not militants, they're terrorists. But okay, they won't use that word. So Rashida Tlaib, a member of Congress from the Democratic Party, writes, When will the world stop dehumanizing our Palestinian people who just want to be free? Headlines like this and framing it in this way just feeds into the continued lack of responsibility on Israel who unjustly oppresses and targets Palestinian children and families. It's just a lie. The Palestinian people just want to be free? No, they want to kill all the Jews and then be free. The framing is wrong? Israel should take responsibility? Why? Because the Hamas shot 250 missiles, rockets, indiscriminately into civilian populations, into civilian, into cities and towns in southern Israel, where ultimately this round, four people were killed. What we can do is we can 
really put the pressure on the Democratic Party, who couldn't even bring themselves back a few months ago to come out and denounce her for her her anti-Semitism. They included every other kind of anti-whateverism. So the anti-Semitism was buried in there amongst everything else, all the other isms. The Democratic Party is going so left, and it, it is no longer, to a great extent, our ally. So we have to wake up. We have to put the pressure on Democratic Party. Many people vote Democrat. Many people give money to Democratic uh, officials and, and, and elected uh, um, politicians. We gotta put the gotta put the uh, pressure on there. So we're gonna end off with this story that I bring to you from uh, the feed of uh, Sivan Rahav Meir. We've spoken about her for years and the great work that she does. Now she's very well known. I think uh, more and more people are getting to know about this wonderful person and the great work that she's done. Uh, she posted a feed. I called it Bar Mitzvah on the Fire. It came from Dalia Harel of Steyrot, and she wrote that this Shabbat we celebrated the Bar Mitzvah of our son Noam. We spent months preparing for the Bar Mitzvah, inviting guests from all over the country, and setting up a serious Kiddush for the entire community. Noam, their son, read all of Parshat Kedoshim beautifully. You shall be holy. Kedoshim to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Honor the elderly. All the wonderful mitzvot that appear in the weekly Torah portion. And then, during Birkat Kohanim, which in Israel they do uh, at every tefillah, during Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing, we suddenly heard the siren, incoming rocket barrages. Some of our guests are not used to that. They began to run around, not sure what to do. Some of the bomb shelters wouldn't open, and the joy which had filled the hall just moments before was replaced by fear. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what life is like living under the threat of rockets coming any day, any minute, any second. The experienced, they wrote, residents... She continues, did their best to calm down the guest, offering encouragement and demonstrating resilience. I guess when you've been through this so many times, you don't get so panicked. The moment seared in my memory was when one frightened mother wrapped her two children close to her in her arms, and I walked over and wrapped all three of them in mine. Our amazing community members began arriving at the hall in large numbers in order to give a hug and provide encouragement so the bar mitzvah wouldn't be destroyed. They danced and sang with Noam, lifting him on their shoulders, while in the background there were sirens and explosions. We had a great deal of food left over afterwards, because many of the guests rushed home and didn't stay for the meal. We donated it to the appreciative soldiers at the nearest Iron Dome battery. I'm writing this letter late Saturday night. At this moment, my house is shaking, my children too, and my phone is crashing from all the messages of encouragement that are coming in from all over. One of our friends, Liron Tzedakav wrote, shared a beautiful thought about the Shabbat. Because, he had to end the tf- because we had to end the tefillah quickly, we didn't read the first chapter of Pirkei Avot, the Ethics of the Fathers, which Jews around the world traditionally started reading the Shabbat. But Instey wrote, in our community, even if we didn't read Pirkei Avot, 
We lived Pirkei Avot. We were privileged to see the ethics of the fathers, fathers which deals mainly with Ben Adam Lechavero, how people treat each other in real time, under fire, at a time of emergency. Oh, I have to stop writing. Another siren. Shavuotov. That's an amazing approach. What can I tell you? Just what an amazing people. I'm going to end off with Be'emet, uh, Yosef and Yonatan Razel collaborating. First, we say thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novik now with Jake Novik discussing the news of the day. And then the great Sphere format Monday. Oh no, it's Rosh Chodesh. The great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jame and the AM. And on Thursday, this coming Thursday, on Jame and the AM for Yomat Smoot, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> רציתי להפתיע, האדמה תרגיע, רציתי להגיע, רציתי לב לשפוך, קיוויתי שאבוא, חשבתי להניע, אורות מהרקיע, שמחתה משפיע, הכנתי הכל. אלך רחוק בשתי רגליים, הרים גבוה את הידיים, אצעק חזק עד השמיים, ואעצום את העיניים עד שמילה אחת תצא באמת, באמת. עד So